Hi, and welcome to Inference, an AI business podcast by Silo AI. I'm Ville Hulko, co-founder of Silo, the largest private AI lab in the Nordics that focuses on building human-centric AI for businesses. With the Inference podcast, we introduce a number of uh, topics and people of the global AI scene that every business decision maker should know. Now, with me today is Otto Söderlund. Otto is the CEO of Speechly, a speech and language understanding company from Helsinki. Speechly was founded by a former development team of Apple Siri. Exceptional not only because of the background of the company, but also because of the tech stack. Speechly has developed standalone user interfacing for both speech processing as well as natural language understanding that is capable of extracting meaning of language directly from speech. Speechly is also known for creating one of the first commercially available standalone solutions for Finnish language speech understanding. Prior to co-founding Speechly, Otto has worked both as a university lecturer in programming, but also as a successful entrepreneur, exiting his previous company to Bearing Point. And with that, Otto, it's a, it's a privilege to have you with us. Welcome. Thank you, Ville. Great to be on board. Excited. So um, tell me about Speechly. You guys started as the pioneers of creating technology for, um, for a relatively small language group with, uh, with less than 6 million speakers. But now you've grown into uh, something much more. What is Speechly and what do you do? Great question. Great. So, so the origins of Speechly actually go, go back into the time when, when my co-founder was still developing Siri at, at Apple. And that was around four years ago. And, and during that time, and there were some, some major achievements and breakthroughs in the academic research when it comes to speech technology. And it was around that time when first time speech recognition actually reached human parity. And that's when, when it dawned upon us that, that the technology is already out there to build something amazing when it comes to voice UI. So we embarked on a journey to actually start building amazing voice UIs. And we started off originally playing and trying the existing technologies out there. But quite soon we realized that that these technologies just weren't good enough to, to build amazing voice UIs as we had envisioned. So it was around four years ago when we started building our own technology stack. And, and that uh, stack includes both the speech recognition part, so the part that transforms uh, users' audio into, into text, and the natural language understanding part, which actually extracts meaning out of what the user is saying. So we originally started building our technology, uh, and especially with the intention of being able to process not only translating speech into text, but also extracting meaning out of the text in real time to enable a new kinds of voice UIs. So we started building this technology from scratch, uh, and and it was a it was a quite a long journey and an exciting one. Uh, but but being able to to start a new architecture from scratch really enabled us to to build uh, something that that is quite exceptional. Uh, we originally started working with enterprises directly across different industries, and uh, we we actually quite soon realized that that with our kind of real time technology, you could solve new kinds of problems using voice technology that you couldn't solve with the existing technologies. And that, that really encouraged us to continue, continue moving. And since then, what we've done is that we've continued development of our unique core technology. Uh, and 
in addition to that one, uh, with the funding of some great, great VCs, we've been we've been expanding that to include a developer product that allows basically any developer to add voice into their creations. And maybe maybe good thing to notice that that one of the big fundamental differences in how we see the voice uh, space evolving. Uh, compared to the big internet companies that are also quite active in the space, is that that unlike these big players who see voice as a channel, so they're seeing it as a channel that that lives as their assistants or as their smart speaker hardware, and they're trying to get companies to invite their end users inside their own walled gardens to enjoy voice services. And, and we, in the other hand, actually envision a future where every single interaction between human and technology is voice enabled when it makes sense. So voice for us is more of a modality rather than a actual channel. And that's that's a big difference in, in what we do and how we see uh, the future of voice playing out. And that's why we really want to empower all the developers across all the different platforms to, to use our technology to add voice into their projects. Yeah, it's a fascinating perspective, I think. Uh, and you only need to take a look at Amazon Alexa. And they've taken the traditional, I would say, like you described it well, the closed world garden approach of creating a stagnant user interface and their own app ecosystem within which you develop applications. And it, it is a way to go. But the problem is that if you build it in disconnect with the rest of the user interfacing, you're entering a world which is, I would argue, not very competitive at the moment. Because, you know, if you look at the applications that are within Alexa, I would argue that we haven't seen any applications come out of the speech space through that ecosystem, which would have blown the world in a similar way like Uber or applications like this would do in the mobile world. And possibly, you know, one of the big reasons for that is what you're putting to the table is the fact that everything is disconnected and everything is um, a standalone ecosystem compared to a connected part of a much more larger entity. Absolutely agree. I couldn't couldn't agree more more on that one. That's that's kind of something that we've been puzzled at speed. You know, where is the killer app of voice? Because voice has been there for a while, but we still haven't seen the killer application, and that's been that's been kind of a, a kind of like a big mystery for us. But we've actually actually uh, we actually think that we've found found a. a uh, reason for why we haven't seen the killer application for voice, and we're trying to to solve that. And and we believe that one of the fundamental issues um, why we haven't seen the killer application of voice yet is the fact that if you look at these current uh, generation of technologies out there in the market, how they operate and how they work is that that they when the user starts speaking, um, the first when the user speaks that is translated into text, and when the user stops speaking, then the text transcript is is ready, it's finalized, then that is sent out to a natural language understanding. Uh, processing where the intents and entities and other meaning is ex- extracted out of the user's user's uh, utterances, which are the user's audio uh, audio speech or words. And then after that one, uh, application-specific business logic is applied to figure out how to respond to the user. And then typically uh, in, in the modern voice services, the last step is then to provide user feedback using speech synthesis. And, and how this, this kind of architecture and how these services are being built actually leads to a quite a um, turn-based, um, latent, uh, slow 
uh, type of interaction. And and that's that's okay if you want to do something like very simple, like you know, controlling your home automation, turning on your lights, or or playing Spotify in your kitchen. You're fine if there is a two second delay, and the the the, the kind of the voice commands are quite simple. But if you want to do something more complex, uh, that also by being complex also would add more value and solve a more complicated user problem, um, that's actually when when the current generation of technologies starts to struggle, and that's a key insight that led us to to building our own technology from the scratch. So so we believe that one of the fundamental reasons why we haven't seen the killer application for voice is the fact that that the current voice technologies do not allow a quick feedback to the user. So that means that the user experiences are actually quite clunky and they're always kind of like revolving around these turn-based dialogues that are built using using kind of like uh, decision trees. And that, that's something that, that kind of is like trying, trying to, to pass a Turing test uh, with, with basically no chance of, of doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a fascinating point of view. And I suppose, you know, when we discuss AI, I think everyone knows the term uncanny valley, which means in the world of robotics that if you create a robot that looks roughly or closely enough like a human, it creates an effect of repulsion in the user itself. Now, we don't have this per se in speech, but I suppose in reverse, we have the idiot effect, which is that if you're using your voice to engage with a system that is not 100% perfective and t- intuitive in its response, you trigger this kind of an idiot mode of communicating, which means that you overemphasize what you are saying in order to maximize the likelihood of success. Then you get a half a second to two second delay, and then you get a response, which is kind of the reward function of if the process was <laughs> successful or not. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, we're still at that point that after every single query that we've pushed through, you kind of need to wait for that validation of was this successful or not. But basically what you're putting to the table is we're starting to see the development in technology up to that point. And I guess Google proved that in the in the lunch booking examples that they did. Duplex. Yes. Google Duplex. The Google Duplex examples is that it is, in fact, technologically possible to... Uh, reached this level already and what you guys are putting to the table is this is exactly your goal this is the level of user interfacing that you're trying to reach but um picking up from that i'd love to get your opinion because (laughs) we're now seeing kind of a dualistic communication here on the other hand we have the google duplex right we have a robot that is completely intuitive and fluent in the way that we speak and understanding nuance and understanding tone of voice. And then on the other hand, most of the applications that you see, for example, in smart cars are still very clunky. So now in the summer of 2020, what's the position that we're actually reaching technologically and in applications? Um, What's kind of, in your opinion, kind of the status of the technology right now? That's a really, really good question. Uh, to, to be able to answer that one, I would want to first touch upon the, your comment on the Google Duplex. Uh, we absolutely love Google Duplex. It's an amazing technology, and it's a great demo showing what you can build with modern technologies. Now, maybe it's good to realize that, that Google Duplex, uh, there's one kind of magic trick that it does. It actually is the active part in the conversation. So it's the one that leads the conversation. So that helps it keep the conversation within a very limited domain. And it's it's a kind of like it's a pre-programmed decision tree that it kind of like pushes the user user through. If you would take Google Duplex and try to use it in a kind of like associated domain, let's take, you know, uh, take Google Duplex and ask it to reserve you a 
car maintenance time or, or whatever, you know, it, it would fail in that because uh, it's still a domain-specific service or solution. And that's one of the key insights in, in technology is the fact that you when know, it comes to where the technology is today, most of the problems are still extremely domain-specific, you know, booking a, a barber shop or restaurant table or, or, or car service, they're all, all very specific problems. And there's this kind of like illusion uh, in the air, you like, know, powered by these Google duplexes and powered by these Alexas and Siri's that uh, there would be possible in the short term to create a voice general purpose voice assistant that could actually help you in anything. I mean, it's it's super cool and, and it, they can be used in, in quite many mundane uh, use cases. But but still, you, you touched upon this uncanny valley. This is this is exactly the problem that that these assistants are kind of like they're developing really fast and they're getting more features and they're supporting more use cases, but at the end of the day they are not even close to to reaching a kind of like level where they would be able to pass a Turing test. It, we are still years no. away from that. So so that means that that even though today in 2020 there's amazing demos out there in the market. It's still quite uh, far it, away from from reaching the promise. So so there's a huge gap between the kind of the expectations that these promises of these assistants and these Google Duplex demos are making, and the daily reality of what you can really do with this. And this is this is something that is really frustrating for the users. And and I think that that most of the listeners of this podcast have been trying out these uh, voice services and and probably have experienced some frustrations. I at least have. Quite many times. Mm -hmm. And I suppose the logic is is similar with chatbots um, because, you know, what is a chatbot? Well, it's a language processing system without the speech component. And a chatbot most of the time works perfectly if you use it for the designated questions that it was programmed to answer to. But if you want to go beyond that, if you want to create a generally performing chatbot, um, those are much, much, much more infrequent in the market, even like in very limited use cases. So I love your perspective that um, there's still, even in the year 2020, there seems to be a big, big gap between what is being publicly discussed and what the actual reality is, despite what the you know technology demos go for. Exactly, um, exactly. But... But hopping a little bit toward the vocabulary part of the site, or maybe transferring, you know, to, toward the business approach, is as we start to build these interfaces, for example, around speech to specific domains, right, to solve specific business-driven problems, like you just mentioned. If you want to do that, then the domain usually has to be pretty um, narrowed down, and the questions have to be still today quite well thought out, and then there has to be the language pack. And what we've seen is that, you know, vocabulary-wise, there's the challenge of the industry-specific vocabulary, if you will. That if you want to build speech for text, for example, for the medical sector, um, you have to build a system that is ready to respond to medical terminology, which might sound similar to something else, but have a fundamentally different meaning in this context. So, what you guys are building now with the speechless system is a system that a developer can come in and onboard and start to basically augment speech into their systems. So how do you see this um, nuance between different industries and different specific vocabularies in the everyday work? 
That is a great, great question. And that was one of the, the first insights we had when we started working with, with companies. We started getting quite a lot of inbound requests from companies who had taken one of these off-the-shelf speech recognition technologies and tried to apply it to their industry. And like you mentioned, uh, usually if you take an off-the-shelf system, it's not able to cope really well with the industry. Now, there comes then the industry-specific industry specific off-the-shelf solutions. Now, they, they work a stepwise better than, than the off-the-shelf general purpose uh, uh, systems. But then again, you know, there's always, you know, company-specific words, you know, product names, you know, uh, certain, you know, processes, lingo, all of this one. And again, you know, there's oftentimes uh, discrepancy with the expected level of performance and, and the real level of performance. And this was something that we that we realized, realized and, and that was actually one of the insights that led us uh, into choosing a developer-centric approach. So, so we don't believe that that if you want to create you know amazing voice uis that you're just able to to take an off-the-shelf product and then just apply it to your domain because there will always be domain specific variation whether it's in the language but it could also be in the acoustic context you know imagine you know deploying a voice solution in a call center environment or in a factory floor or you know somewhere where there might be some some uh, let's say acoustic um, specific characteristics that might make it harder to perform so, so that that's that's a case where again, you know, for you to be able to make it work, then then you, you know. need to be able to somehow tweak it or or kind of like tailor it, customize it, adapt it to, to the context. And this is something very important when you're tr- starting to build, you know, more value-added services, when you're starting to build automation on top of the voice services. That means that there there needs to be the level of confidence. You need to be able to, to have the level of confidence on, on the, the speech recognition part and the natural language understanding part that actually allows you to trigger automated functionalities. So, so this this is exactly the reason why we don't believe that there there will be this off-the-shelf solution for for companies and enterprises. Then, then you know, just we'll just wait for Google to to Google or IBM or Nuance or whatever to develop something, and then we'll just buy that package. I don't think that that will happen. You'll you'll just end up waiting for for eternity. But but how it will go is that that you will have to, to take kind of, uh, customizable adapt adapt uh, technology that you can adapt and adapt it to your use case if you want to make it to work and, and that's that's a key insight and that's that's exactly what we want to to do at speed we want to empower developers and companies into to taking the technology adapting it to their own uses and building amazing automations and and you know voice services on top of that mm. So basically what you're saying is that there is no silver bullet to solving this problem. And if there's no silver bullet, then the only way to kind of start solving this is to build toolkits for developers, which are specifically designed for the purpose that the developers themselves can start aggregating the data and start figuring out how to solve that problem themselves, instead of trying to prepackage all of the solutions into one offering or one API. Yes, yes, because at the end of the day, you know, voice services are UIs like any other UI. And if you think of UIs, there isn't a silver bullet UI, one UI that will solve all the all the UIs problems. But how UIs work is that you have a specific problem, you have a specific kind of user functionalities that you want to enable, and then a designer and a developer needs to design and develop the UI. It's exactly the same thing with voice services. And, and like I said, we don't actually envision voice to be a channel so that means that that in our view you know 
when designers and developers are designing and developing any kinds of UI, they should think about, you know, how could I make this UI even more efficient or more effective using voice as a mechanism allowing the user to, to you know, implement parts of this functionality that I want to enable the user to do. And that's, that's what really creates stepwise more efficient and effective UIs. So definitely. And uh, actually, I think it would be really cool to hear, um, you know, some of the case studies that you guys have been involved with, because, you know, you've been developing not just the core technology bits themselves, but also the ways for developers and other companies to start utilizing this. So I'd love to hear, uh, <laughs> I'd love to hear any case studies that you guys can share with us. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, um, Maybe a good example of a use case where voice technology works really well uh, is, for example, when you are working in, in VR or AR, that's, that's when you are really immersed in an experience in real time where when you're speaking, you have to have some kind of real-time response. Otherwise, it just you know, makes the experience very, very clunky. And, and this is, for example, something that, that we really learned uh, while working with Zone. So Zone is a Finnish 3D agency that has done some amazing work. They, for example, produced some of the, the largest virtual concerts concerts done in the history. And I think that there was like a quarter of the Finnish population was watching one of them. So, so we are super We're excited super. to be working working with these amazing amazing people from Zone. And, and how they are using our technology is, is to add a intuitive real-time voice control into their, their VR experiences because um, one of the insights they've had is that, that when they, you know, onboard new, new users to an immersive uh, environment like VR or AR and, you know, they, they put the headset on people and then they give these controllers to people, people's hands and, you know, then they're just, you know, okay, now push, push button A to, to, and select menu item B, you know, whatever. And it's just, you know, it's so unintuitive. But if you can, instead of that, just, you know, tell the system, what, what you want it to do, and then the system immediately responds. And again, I'm emphasizing immediately in real time, providing the user with, with uh, clear visual feedback that it's listening, it's understanding, and it's responding. Then you can really, you know, create the next next level of immerse, immersion within these kinds of VR and AR experiences. And that's that's another kind of like... Uh, domain where where we see that that speech technology is is amazing amazing fit and and this really allows uh, you know to onboard users on on a on a very different level it's it's just you know makes the experience so much more more immersive another cool use case example uh, the the uh, online shopping uh, industry and especially there in the grocery grocery shopping domain, you know, I don't know how many people listening to this podcast have have actually done online grocery. Probably after this COVID COVID situation, a quite bigger <laughs> fraction of people have been doing it than than before. I I would assume so. Uh, but anyway, if if you're doing your kind of like like proper online grocery shopping, you know, think about buying food for your family for a week that's that sucks it's just you know it takes a long time there's it involves a lot of clicking a lot of searching a lot of waiting and you know it's just frustrating so so that was that was kind of one of some of the early works we did we we kind of like felt this pain and we wanted to solve this and we we thought that voice would be actually a really good uh, way to solve this so what if you would just be able to tell the the e-commerce store what you want to buy and then you would be able to actually set up your shopping basket 
using your voice. Uh, we partnered up with SOK, which is the largest retailer in, in Finland, grocery retailer, and uh, we set out to, to build this. So, so we developed S Ostoslista, S Ostoslista, which means you know S shopping list. And it's a standalone iOS application that is available in the App Store. I, I would definitely recommend everybody listening to this podcast to downloading it now because it's an excellent showcase of how voice technology already works. So, so if, you, if you're still doubting that voice technology doesn't work, download Esostos Lista from the App Store and, and you'll see that it, it works. It works really well. So, so that's an example where, where basically uh, we we saw that that you know people were spending 20 to 30 minutes putting together their grocery shopping baskets and getting super frustrated along the way. And with with our system, people were actually able to make these shopping baskets in two to three minutes. So there was this kind of like fundamental stepwise improvement in 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 the speed of shopping and this of course um, has led into into quite uh, substantial improvement in, in commercial metrics uh, one of the most interesting findings with this case is actually related to the demographics uh, and this is something that that was a to be quite honest complete surprise one of the interesting facts is that that this application is used by uh, a bit uh, older demographic uh, segment than than typical applications of and, and the other applications of, of SOK. And that was quite interesting. And it, it kind of, you know, showcases that voice technology is not just a kind of millennial, millennial gimmick that, you know, that, that young people use as cool thing, but it's actually a, a very smooth way to, to make the, the interfacing between humans and, and technology more accessible and, and more kind of like more intuitive so so that was a big surprise you know a significant amount of the users are actually uh, from the older uh, age segments showing that that they and they they are also people who before had not you know shopped online or even considered that because it, they thought it would be too complicated so so kind of like embedding voice into a multimodal ui that that focuses on solving uh, uh, end users tasks in the most effective way actually allows also you yeah. to access target groups that that you didn't ever think of reaching this is a really fascinating find um but i suppose you know in the end of the day you know it makes total sense because if if you think about the way that services have been developing historically, like back in the day, 20 years ago, if you wanted to take care of your banking services, you would go to a bank and you would bring the invoice and you'd go to the cashier and you would tell the cashier that I want to pay this invoice from my account. Then the cashier goes and takes care of the problem. And then we go ahead in time and then we invented the internet. And with the internet, we figured that why should a bank handle the service when they can outsource the service to the user themselves. So now you go to an online bank and you log in and you are the one who fills the documents and you are the one who pays the invoice, not the cashier as it was before. And now as we're entering kind of the, the age of voice control user interfaces, we're kind of going back to the original paradigm because now we pick up a service and we tell, for example, an online bank that bank pay my invoice and then magically it happens so we're basically reverting to the back back to the you know original way 
of delivering services to the customers themselves just through a completely new technology. And in that sense, I suppose it makes perfect sense that one of the early adopter user groups would be, um, for example, an elderly user group that perhaps never really adopted the complex process of using tiny keyboards of logging into online banks to fulfill the services but instead they use the you know the modality that is natural to them which is speech and explaining what they want to you know to be done so this is actually the first time i'm i'm hearing actually um, this kind of third-party data about this thing so it's really fascinating what you guys found with this yes it is it is it's it's super super interesting and it, it is a very good point that you're making about this evolution of first having human assisted uh, service then that being replaced by automation but automation where humans need to adapt their uh, mechanisms of working into a non-human like of operating with with keyboards and filling in forms where they before were able to use their intuitive way of mechanism of after speaking speaking and now when the voice voice uh, technology is finally on the level it has reached the level where you can kind of like build similar kind of intuitive uh, user interfaces on the self-service side so it's kind of like finally yeah. kind of like realizing the the promises of this this kind of automation that that kind right. of like properly implemented especially for the groups who aren't that tech adept yeah and as i recall um I, I recall seeing a video of the um, of the shopping application that you were describing and i think another cool example of that is you know what we discussed in the beginning is if or maybe one of the early challenges of Alexa was that it is indeed like you described it a closed wall garden where you develop applications inside of that which operate on voice which is quite the limited toolkit but basically you know with the shopping app that you were describing what the speech is it's a one crucially important enabler of a much larger service experience so you know you use the speech but then you get a beautifully designed app screen on your mobile phone which works with swiping which works with typing or clicking and selecting something else so you don't approach speech as a holistic solution in this case but you use it as a key enabler and going back to what you said in the beginning about your whole philosophy which speechly is that don't treat it as a walled garden teach it as a key to unlock a door into something much larger it seems like a perfect example of that. yes and spot on because that that is exactly the the point of of kind of if 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 you really want to solve better the end users problems you know you should leverage all the modalities in 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 play and and in this case for example when you speak you know while you are speaking you know if you have a screen on, on front of you why not use it to actually provide the user with instant real-time feedback in a visual format it's like in a in a kind of human face-to-face discussion the other party is all the time you know nodding and and you know showing with facial expressions with gestures even with touch you know giving feedback to the speaker so it's the same thing there that that while the 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 user is kind of providing input to the system the input responds to that in real time in a pan interaction way and that is really the key to, to building more efficient and more intuitive interfaces yeah and while we are on the topic of SOK and the shopping system you know SOK is a Finnish grocery store group we kind of get to drift toward the topic of the Finnish language as you know as a modality which is also really you know it it's it's a really double-edged sword right because on the other hand we have a language group with less than six million speakers in the world um 
But on the other hand, we have a nation and a culture where a language and different dialects and different nuances are a huge part of the development themselves. And thirdly, we also kind of have a really strong ecosystem, if you will, because, you know, not known to many, Finland has tremendous skill in natural language processing, you know, what you guys are representing as well. For example, with the University of Turku winning in Co-NLL 2018, uh, competing against 26 top universities around the world, including Stanford, including Singapore, and so forth, and that their standalone natural language understanding parser actually defeated all the other parsers in the world. And in Finland, no one really knows about this because no newspaper wrote any articles about this. No one picked up the story. It just kind of happened, which I suppose tells more about us as a nation than us as a technology center. But um, you guys have done a lot of work around the understanding of Finnish language and making Finnish language speakable to a computer. Um, so how has that work been going for you? Because now, you you know, you support multiple languages, as I recall. You have English, you have Finnish as well. But you started with a strong Finnish focus. So what were your experiences there? Well, that that is a, a good question. Uh, good question. So so maybe, maybe one notion with the Finnish language is the fact that it's quite complicated language, as, as many Finns know. And <laughs> so so that means that, that solving the Finnish language originally was was a quite a tough nut to crack. And and uh, uh, when doing that, it kind of enabled us to start from from the uh, one of the most difficult languages. And by the way, this is something uh, some of our team members have been working at at the Siri team, and some of them have been working in the Alexa team at Amazon. And you know, Finnish is known also in the speech recognizing communities as one of the hard languages to solve. So so what it enabled us was really to kind of like start from the hardest. And and when when kind of like building the speech recognition for for Finnish, we already from the scratch started building it with a language agnostic uh, approach, meaning that that it it allowed us to to kind of like uh, create a language agnostic uh, speech recognizer that we originally trained with the Finnish language and solved the the kind of many of the edge cases and the problem as is <laughs> related to, to the specific uh, characteristics of Finland and then then uh, that that allowed us to create a quite a robust robust system that then helps helps expand to new new languages so so that that would probably be some of the the, the most interesting key findings in, in terms of that one and and then that being said you know having laid out the groundwork really well has allowed us then to to kind of like build a system where it's easy to to roll out new languages that's not our main uh, expansion dimension or focus but that's that's something that that we want to envision we will probably uh, roll out one more language this year and then then more languages then next year and and, and mm. so on and i suppose if we discuss about finnish language as a case example which is a small language disconnected from everything else quite the unique language structure quite a small market um, it is, like you described before, maybe a bit challenging for larger organizations to adopt the Finnish language capabilities within their, you know, within their toolkits. But I suppose there's the other side of the coin, which is kind of the, you know, if we get political for a moment and we consider, you know, the cultural and the longer term uh, repercussions of that, 
Um, I think it's really important work that you guys have been doing and the universities have been doing is developing the ability for a nation to have a standalone capability of offering speech interfaces. Because going back to what we discussed before about the banking example, what is banking? It's an infrastructure service. What is grocery stopping? It's an infrastructure service, right? So if we start to build these new user interfaces of operating your own natural mother's tongue language to control a new layer of technology and applications in taxation, in banking, in grocery storing, in whatever, and if you buy this speech-to-text converter, for example, as a service from a Silicon Valley organization, what you end up creating is an environment where every single language technology different process is pushed through a Silicon Valley algorithm, which you do not, do not fundamentally control. And this is, it, it sounds trivial, but for the first time we're entering maybe a generation where we can't look at these choices as something that we make for the next six months or two years or so, but we're actually discussing about starting to feed all of the, the national treasure language data into either something our nation controls, which is a standalone within the country developed speech understanding system, which we then, you know, apply that is in for services, or we buy from a black box in Silicon Valley. And these can have unprecedented effects because literally we've never faced a situation like this before in the history of technology. And I think, you know, for this reason, we should be having even more discussion within Finland about the different ways of retaining control of these language technologies, you know, what you guys are building. And now we have some tremendous national um, movements going on, like with the Lahjoita Puhetta, donate your speech campaign to the public good and so forth. Um, it's easy to push supply, easy to say that we should have more supply of standalone, natively owned Finnish mm. language solutions. But this, then the other side of the coin is the demand. And I suppose exactly. you guys have the most experience with that in Finland. Yes, ab- absolutely agree. Absolutely agree with that. So so I, I, I agree with your point of, of it would be really cool to be kind of like self-sustaining as a, as a nation. But, but, you know, based on my experiences of, of talking about voice technology with, with basically the decision makers in most of the large Finnish companies, uh, there is a, a clear kind of like overarching, uh, you know, spirit uh, of, of thinking that, that, that I don't think that corporations care that much where the, the technology uh, comes from. I've heard many times that, uh, like literally, you know, decision makers telling me that, that they they can afford to wait for Google or Amazon to, to kind of then uh, bring this technology to the market. And that, that for me is just, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy it's cra- thinking. But yeah, the company can afford to do that, but the nation can't. Yeah, 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 exactly. But if you think of it, you know, uh, the de- kind of like where the kind of market will evolve consists of the decisions done by the decision makers in the different players in the market, out of which many are, are independent companies. And, and you know, this has been something that it's kind of like a, it's been a chicken egg problem a long time in Finland. The the kind of like the the uh, the big uh, kind of like private players in the market have been thinking that the technology isn't there because Google or Amazon hasn't been developing it, and and then you know they haven't been that interested in in kind of alternative uh, alternative solutions. There are some uh, some very kind of like brave forward-leaning companies that have adopted these these new technologies because the fact is that that you know I've been hearing for the last I don't know how many years this argument from from decision makers saying that yeah but there isn't any good speech recognition out there in the market in for Finnish and that that is 
that is BS because it has been out there. There's several companies in the market who ha- who have built a very good speech recognition system. So that has never been the issue, the technology. It's been more on, on these companies' willingness to buy from from these kind of like smaller players and that's that's that to me is just you know it, it's absurd it kind of like reminds me of the kind of 80s 90s kind of it mindset of of kind of like yeah you you you, you always buy from ibm because that's when you can't get fired so so it's it's funny enough it seems that there's a lot of this mindset still in the finnish industry and and there's there's a clear need and a kind of like lack of true innovators willing to make bold moves and building amazing voice users because believe me the technology is out there it is already there it has been there for years it's not about that one it's about you know finding people who have the balls to actually take the technology and adapt it but like i mentioned in the beginning you know waiting for a off the shelf solution that that you can just take you know that does not exist because NLP is always domain specific. That's something that decision makers don't understand. It's always domain specific. And if you want to build a system that really works, you have to 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 adapt it to your uh, your own um, use case and your own context. So so that's the thing that that you know waiting won't take you anywhere. You know you you need to act now and you need to have good good partners, good consultants that can then you know help you figure out you know what are the technology components out there that are required and how they need to be set up to, to support those use cases. So that's 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 something that 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 I, I see now as a huge problem. Um, you know companies in, in even in Sweden in the Netherlands, in the UK and the US, companies are a lot more open and interested about these voice solutions. And they're looking at it from a, you know, okay, how do I improve my commercial metrics, you know, conversion rates, retention rates? Okay, I create a better user experience. How do I improve my efficiency? How do I drive my costs down? Okay, by uh, by equipping my employees with with the ability to use voice to make them more effective in the, in their work. And they're, they're looking at it very concrete concrete way but this is something that that for for some weird reason Finland has always been a kind of like forerunner in in new technologies in the internet in the mobile but for some weird reason this this voice is something decision makers have really not not kind of like taken taken on board yeah and you know it's beautifully put right uh, what you're saying and it's not just the problem of the private sector anymore it's also a problem of the public sector and it's a problem of the culture so But I'm really happy to see that, you know, now we're actually starting to engage on this conversation for the first time on a governmental level, that we're starting to get these initiatives. And hopefully after um, the after the dust from Corona is starting to settle, we'll actually see a more of a push to own this technology pieces that we develop internally. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> Fingers crossed, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But but the, the thing is that if you look at the Finland, Finland is kind of now, you know, shooting it its own leg because what, what I'm seeing very heavily is a huge talent leak in Finland. There's a lot of really good talent in this space that is absolutely not interested in trying to bang their heads to the to the doors and to the walls here, trying to, you know, get people convinced about this. And, you know, there's, there's as an example, you know, our, our company is, you know, full of engineers who've been building, you know, Siri and, and, you know, Alexa and other amazing services. And, you know, it's one of the most talented tech teams that, that has emerged from the Nordics in a while. And, you know, international VCs and international companies are absolutely, you know, they are just going berserk 
And then, you know, when, when we talk in Finland about, you know, what we are doing and what we could enable the Finnish companies to do, they're just, you know, nah, we don't believe that voice is a thing. And it's just kind of like we, we basically, <laughs> we, we've deprioritized Finnish and we've deprioritized Finland because it's just, you know, it's not worth, it's, it's a waste to spend our time trying to convince people who have you know made their judgments based on something that that they have no idea about so so that's that's one of the reasons that yes we do support finnish and we do have an excellent finnish model but our our future focus uh, is is in in the international markets and that's also why why we've taken on board board you know vc acceleration to to bring us there and that's a shame shame uh, for finland because that's also you know means that then then this 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 talent will be not focusing on uh, on you know solving you know better Finnish voice services, but it it will be then you know again then building support for languages where the markets are more uh, let's say more mature and and more more willing to 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 make these bold bets of actually adding voice to their services. Yeah, here here by locally produced AI. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, we're approaching the end of the podcast, um, but before we do. Um, I'd love to get your prediction as well. So you guys are now sitting at the cutting edge of voice technologies and commercializing those. Um, I'd love to get your perspective over the next 24 months. So you're seeing where speech is sitting today. You have a vision about where it's going in the future. So how do you see the speech user interfacing and the speech technologies and the adoption of the speech technologies developing over the next 24 months? Very good question. So, so we are actually quite bullish about what will now happen in the next 24 months. So, so we are seeing tremendous interest from developers in adding voice mm. voice into their their projects. So, so what we predict will be happening is that that developers will be realizing that that it's super easy to add add voice into their you know projects, whether they're websites or web applications, or whether they're native applications in iOS or 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 Android, or whether they're something built on on 3G engines you know maybe in the VR or AR space or or whatnot and and what we are starting to see in the next 24 months is that that more and more uh, of your mundane application are starting to to introduce voice features and they will start originally by doing a some a simple use case you know allowing you to you know control your music or search your your library or or you know uh, input some notes or whatever it it starts where from simple use cases that that are quite useful and and we are we are uh, we are predicting and and believing and that's that's basically what we are also enabling and seeing our developer users build with with our tools is really kind of like uh, it we don't envision that that there is a new breed of totally separate voice applications emerging but we are seeing the current applications adding voice features so it's kind of like slowly and and kind of like uh, steadily sneaking voices sneaking its way into into the daily use of of users and that's that's also where we're going to see the kind of the the, the killer application so we well, don't, don't believe that the I absolutely don't believe that the killer application for voice is a new application that you can download from the App Store. But the killer application for voice is actually the fact that when you are using your beloved applications and websites and, and whatever digital services, you're starting to, to realize that actually the parts of the experience that make sense to do with my voice are actually being done 
using voice. So that means that that voice is actually think about it. You know, radio buttons or or you know check boxes. They didn't exist before graphical user interfaces came aboard, and they became the kind of obvious design patterns for allowing allowing the user to solve a kind of multi-choice uh, type of of a problem. So so we are going to see a similar thing where voice is going to be the design pattern of choice for designers and developers when they're designing their applications in you know allowing users to provide input um, and we we basically we we've we've identified three main use cases that designers and developers uh, can use voice for First is voice search. If you log on to basically any website or use any application, at some stage, you as a user will be searching for something. That could be products, that could be items, that could be locations, that could be information, that could be other people, you know, whatnot. So that's one pattern where voice is just the obvious search, you know. Search boxes absolutely suck. Um, the second area uh, is then voice command and voice control. So oftentimes, especially when you're dealing with real-time experiences, you know, that would mean like streaming audio, streaming video, or if you're immersed in VR, AR, you know, it's just the obvious way to control the experience, you know, providing commands forward, backwards, jump to X, you know, talk to Y, you know, whatever. So that's just a natural way rather than writing commands and then pressing enter. Um, and then the third pattern where voice will be super uh, useful for, for designing applications and websites is for collecting user input. And that, that comes especially in the form of structured input, you know, collecting numbers, addresses, you know, credit card numbers, uh, you know, units, notes, you know, client names, you know, deal deal sizes or, or whatever. So there's a, there's a huge multitude of... of uh, uh, use cases where you as a user, when you're using any website or any other application, you are providing the, the application with some input. Mm. And that's just so much faster to do with, with your voice. Yeah. Tremendous. Thank you so much, Otto. I, I can, <laughs> with a clear conscience, I'll be happy to say that this has been truly a fascinating talk. Thank you so much for coming on. And for the listeners who are now listening to the episode, um, I encourage everyone to go to speechly.com, especially if you are a developer. Um, there's an API um, access that you can request, plus um, Speechly is developing some really, really um, easy to consume clear content about what the state of speech technology is. So I encourage every listener to go and uh, take a peek. And uh, with that, Otto, once more, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Ville. It was great to be on board and it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks. I'll see you guys next time.